It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to builtbar.com, check out all of their delicious protein bars, protein gels, everything that they have going on. I'm your host, Adam Matis from DNVR, and I'm joined by my co-host, senior NBA writer for the Action Network, Matt Moore. Matt, how was your weekend? How are you doing, buddy? Doing well. Doing well. Much of the Denver Nuggets. Feeling, feeling pretty good about things after a rough rough week for everybody um if not it feels wearing, good to, to enter oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna say not wearing my mahomes gear for you uh um, it will be on full display next week uh, as they face, as my kansas city chiefs face the cleveland browns i'm gonna hold you to that i, I i'm definitely gonna hold you to that um so i am also feeling good and, and it's funny because this was the first game i felt like the denver nuggets looked like a good team and granted, it was against the Knicks team who had looked very good or this or that, but the Nuggets come all way with a 114-89 victory. It wasn't actually as close as that score would indicate. And more to the point, I thought that the Denver Nuggets looked like the team we hope they can be and we expected them to be coming into the season, which is to say they were looked like a competent team from top to bottom with a lot of interesting pieces and some great players at the top. Was that how you felt watching this Nuggets-Knicks matchup? I mean, this is the performance they needed versus the Kings. Right. Like, yes, this it is was. the performance they needed versus the Kings, which is like they came out and blasted an inferior team. The second unit didn't allow them to get going. Right. Uh, we'll talk about the bench here in a little while, finding a little bit of an identity as a defensive squad, oddly mm. enough, despite being undersized. Um, the starters were magnificent. Uh, the bench unit was good enough. The defense actually showed up versus a, an opponent that it should show up against. And they came away with the victory and they're back to 500. Like all is well uh, in terms of base. Like there's nothing to complain about from this performance. Like right. I don't have a lot of takeaways, um, but it is important. I think to note that like, look, when we talk about the defense being good, I'm not expecting the Nuggets to go out and hold the Rockets to a 104 defensive rating. I'm not right. expecting the Nuggets to um, keep Miami to 99 points. I just think that if they're going to be the team that they want to be, this is the kind of performance that you've, you've got to be able to give. Like, and especially I will say this, the back-to-back nature, Malone's been really right. good on back-to-backs. I bet the Knicks today. I bet the Knicks money line. I bet the Knicks to win this game. A lot, a lot of people did. I saw on. Uh, I, I saw that the uh, line was moving. I think it started at six and a half and it moved down to five and a half right before the close. So I think a lot of people were thinking like you were. Yeah. And so um, – I was just like, look, this team has not proven that it can uh, handle business. It's on a back-to-back. Yesterday was half of a game. How are they, like, they haven't been engaged in, like, a high-level environment. They've just, like, been in a weird, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? Okay, we're playing, but they don't have anybody. Okay, Um, environment. And instead, like, they came out and they held this Knicks team, which is bad, but has been really competitive and played really hard under Tibbs to start the season. Like I wrote a lot about them last week at action network. This is a tough defense and they dropped 125 offensive rating and held them to a 96.7. Like they just kicked the crap out of a bad team, which is what I've been saying from the start of the season that they needed to do. So this is a positive step forward. Um, We could talk about the need for better wins, but Look, they need to get back walk, to 500. Crawl first, walk, and then run. Yeah. Like the Nuggets needed to yep. crawl. This was, they yep. crawled very well today, and we're going to clap for them because they needed to get that done. And you talked about the offense. So tonight, Nikola Jokic, once again, 22 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. His assists keep going up or down, depends on how teams want to play him. But he hit some ridiculous shots, including in the third quarter. So this game got opened up in the third quarter. Nuggets are, I think, going into the half and then in the third quarter. Nuggets open it up, and the Knicks make a run to cut it to 14 points. And Denver, I believe coming out of a timeout, you know, right at that point where 14, you cut it down to 10 or get it to single digits, all of a sudden you've lost all that momentum. And Jokic hits, 
I don't know if we it's a technically a Sambor shuffle. I don't know. I'll let you be the judge on that, but a one-footed fall away right in uh, Mitchell Robinson's face. And it was like, that was the turning point for the game. That was the last chance. It was the third quarter, but that was the last chance for the Knicks to call it, get it close. They didn't. And Denver pulled this away and gets a comfortable win. So the offense, even though Jamal Murray tonight, only nine points, he's been so quiet these last few games, four of nine shooting. It didn't matter because the Nuggets had just had the, the ball popping and had everybody sort of involved in the offense with Jokic at the center of it, that it was able to, to your point, attack a pretty good Knicks defense and attack it and make it look easy. Yeah. Uh, and that shot was huge. And just, you know, Nicola slammed the door on him. And I think this is kind of the, the, this game matters from this perspective. You can't keep wasting these kind of Jokic games. Like that's just, that, that's the thing that they got to stop doing is like, he's doing it every single night. If he's going to be that good, you got to at least beat the bad teams. Yeah, like, that's true. You, you got to at least beat the bad teams. If he's going to be that good, you cannot waste him, him playing at this level. Because he's not going to play yeah. at this level the entire season. Are you sure, though? Hold on. Can I push okay. back on that? What was his Let me worst? finish. Let me finish. Okay. 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 I'm not saying that he's not that he's going that he's not going to play this level as a standard across the season. This may be where he is now, and he may be just like like I think he can win MVP. I think there's value there. I think that he can be this type player over the course of the entire season. You can look back and say that's who he was. I'm simply saying he's probably going to have a dip. Like he's yeah, probably going to have well, like maybe. a two week period or a month or he's yeah. going to get banged up. Like that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that like, this is a, a, this is his high point of the season. I'm saying instead you cannot, like there will be games that had he played like this, maybe you might've won later, but when he's playing like this and you're playing bad teams, you got to beat them. Like you got to yeah. beat these teams. So the Jokic, if you look at him this year though, you know, I don't know what his worst game was. I think you could look at it and say maybe that second Sacramento game, he had 10 turnovers. And even though, even though I don't think his turnovers have been a major issue overall, that game specifically, he had some big ones down the stretch and that's where, that's where that kills you. But that game, he still had 26, 10 and 12. Like, so I don't know. I just kind of feel like this is the level Jokic is at right now. And he's just that caliber player. I don't disagree with you. I'm, I, I really am just saying that like, he will probably go through a, like even every MVP has a season where you can go back and look at and go like five games that season. Like, oh, okay. Haven't done the MVP like year in and year out. Um, like hard in 2017. Wasn't great in March. Just okay. wasn't great. Uh, last year, Yasan and Kumpo, he was not all that good in uh, February before the all-star break. Need the rest um, on and on and on. Like there's just usually like a month where it's like, he was still great, but he okay. wasn't, he wasn't like right now, like literally every single night. It's like, holy crap. I mean, he is the conversion of people has been begrudging, <laughs> but he has converted more people. I think even this between the playoffs and now than he ever has, because people are yeah. just like, holy crap. He's so good. Like, yeah, they appreciate him now. Yeah. There's two other players. I think we have to mention here in this first segment as we talk about this game. And the first one is Gary Harris, Gary who, Harris. for the second night in a row. He gets, it's funny. Cause if you didn't look at the stat line, I would have guessed it was better numbers than this, but 14 points, three rebounds, one assist, two steals, two of four from the three point line, six of 10 from the field. But it felt those were loud buckets because mm-hmm. one, he hasn't been hitting them. He hit them you know, big shots tonight, right. in rhythm looked confident. And then he got to the basket, had the monster dunk and just had a couple nice drives. Like this looked the closest to Gary Harris of old that we've seen in a while. And now that it's back-to-back games of this from Gary Harris, it gives you a little bit of confidence that, okay, he's, he's starting to start. He's, he's maybe not as bad as he looked the first four or five games of the season. Yeah. uh, It's been nice to see the uh, growing number of Nuggets fans complaining about him and Barton drop to just Barton now. Um, (laughs) It is. It is sad. You know, what's funny about that. Just real quick as an aside, who took the fewest shots of the starters tonight? Well, Will Barton, of course, like people never notice it when it's, you know, they only notice the bad plays when they lose or this or that, but tonight Barton did, wasn't needed too much. He didn't do too much. Yeah. Um, Harris is, I think Harris has been playing pretty well. I think his athleticism has looked good. Um, he's been more aggressive in the dribble handoff stuff. I think a lot of it is the attention they're moving a little bit more. Uh, check me on this. If I'm, if I'm wrong, 
to me, it looks like they're moving more off ball and that's helped distract so that when they're running dribble handoff action with Gary, he's had lanes a little bit more open. It's not just like there's three dudes that are standing still. And then Gary and and Jokic you know, running dribble handoff. There's usually something coming on the other side a flare screen or something that's drawing attention from the defenders so that Gary, when he does that dribble handoff action with Jokic is getting a little bit clearer on, on his attack. And not only that, to your point, there was a stretch in this game, and I don't remember if it was the second quarter or the third quarter, but there was a stretch where that starting unit had about a two or three minutes of stagnant one-on-one basketball, and it stuck out like a sore thumb because they had been doing such a good job of moving the ball and everybody kind of moving and getting involved and so much of that off-ball action that when they don't do it, you're like, oh, something's wrong. Call a timeout. They get back in there and they find their rhythm again. So I I do think that there's something to that. And of course there's something to that, Matt. The five-man starting unit, according to Cleaning the Glass, that five-man starting unit, I think they have an offensive rating of 137. We're 10 games into the season. This isn't that small of a sample size that unit if you look at the nuggets offensive rating as a whole we're going to talk defense here a little bit but if you look at the offensive rating as a whole right now the denver nuggets match last year's dallas mavericks team which was the greatest offense we'd ever seen and the numbers without Jokic on the quarter bed but that that starting lineup is a big part of why their offense is just so good it's so clear that they've been playing together for years and years and the chemistry is there and the talent is there who is the other player that you want to give a shout out to uh, it would be Jamichael Green, who uh, yeah. tonight goes four or five, two, to, two of two from the three-point line, gets 10 points, eight rebounds. He was a plus 24. The whole bench we're going to talk about in the next segment, but he in particular has been a guy that fits with every pairing. It, it just seems like there's not a bad Jamichael Green lineup you can throw out there right now. He just fits into whatever it is you need from him. Yeah, uh, his. it's really crazy that you know, we killed them so much for their first couple of games. And then like the pushback is always like, well, I'll wait till we get so-and-so back. Right. Um, and even now there's like a lot of like, of like, well, you know, we don't have, we don't have Porter. Like, you know, right. wait, we're not full team yet. Uh, but Jamaica really did want to make it a big difference. It's like, of course he did. Like right. they needed someone to specifically fill the role that he, that he exactly. is yep. filling. And, yep. you know, having a guy, especially I will say this, like he's not an, a lights out knockdown shooter but he's also not a non-threat. And that is just, it's really big because for years, honestly, the Nuggets only had bigs of one of two ways. Like they were either Gallo playing four, right. Or they had just guys that were bigs that were unable to do anything. weren't really a threat. Um, And Jamichael having the ability to spread the floor and attack inside and rebound his two MB two way. Like he's, when he's on the court, your Mm -hmm. defense is good. Like he's, he adds to the defense his versatility uh, is good in terms of like, he has high versatility, even if his uh, output is still not star level. Like he's not going to give you like 20 and 10, but he is going to give you like, he can give you 12 to 15 and eight. And that's still like the production combined with impact is really big. Yeah. Well, we can take a break here. I just thought those guys were the ones that stood out in this specific game. Um, But when we come back on the other side, we have to talk about the bench because the story of this game was that bench unit. And it's really the story of the last four games, I would say. It's a growing sort of uh, cohesiveness of that lineup and I think gaining a lot of clarity. So we'll talk about that on the other side. But first, let's talk about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Bell Bar is even deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. We got new flavors like caramel, brownie, cookies and cream, and lemon almond cheesecake to go with the old classics like banana bread, mm, salted caramel, and orange. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're great for trying to be health conscious. If you take the coconut almond bar, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 gram net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed we 
Back here on Locked On Nuggets, a part of Locked On Podcast Network, and want to remind you guys to check out Locked On Bets, a great 10-minute show. Very, very short show, but it gives you all of the key picks uh, of the day. Your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, they get you set right by breaking down what their favorite picks are. Really, really cool uh, show, and it doesn't take a lot of your time, so check that one out, Locked On Bets. All right, Matt, so the story that of, of this game, the big story, wasn't Jokic's Sambor shuffle that was gorgeous, although it was. It, I don't mind if that is your story. It was that bench unit. I mentioned Jermichael Green plus 24. Monte Morris, who's having a sneaky good year, despite the fact that the bench hasn't necessarily had a, have been having a good year. Monte Morris, a plus 26 tonight, 12 points, three rebounds, three assists. Guess how many turnovers? You guessed right, zero turnovers. He now has a 36 assists and three turnovers, which is absolutely absurd that a guy with the ball in his hands that much and can produce that many assists doesn't turn the ball over and then of course you get contributions from guys like pj dozier who had 12 points and five rebounds he had Compazo, who's looking like he's starting to find a role on this team he had five points two rebounds two assists two steals and then uh isaiah hartenstein who had eight points two rebounds one assist one steal and six fouls in 12 minutes um he's he's an interesting one man where do you want to start with this bench? And and to me, they've gotten a lot better over the last four games as it's become more clear who they are. They've been playing a little bit more with two bigs, and I just feel like they I feel like they're a lineup that makes more sense than they did a week ago. So I want to go to some advanced numbers for you, okay? Okay. Um, when PJ Dozier is off the court, when he's on the bench, the Nuggets this season have given up a one hundred and eighteen point six defensive rating. That's bad. When he's been on the court, when P.J. Dozier's been on the court, the Nuggets are giving up 99 points per 100 possessions. That's wild. That would rank number one in the NBA. That's elite. Yeah. Um, Just P.J. Dozier. I, he's the one only control on that. I, I think – but I do think that his I, – I think Dozier is, is – the reason that I gravitate towards Dozier a lot when I watch – I feel like he's a guy that's sneaky impactful, despite not necessarily being a guy that makes that has a lot of stuff to pop off the page. Mm. I think especially defensively, he's a guy that gets around screens. The big here's a here's a big part of it when I've gone back and watched. Um, teams know that they're going to bring the second guy up at the level of the screen. They're going to bring the, the screen defender up. That's the Nuggets scheme. They're going to keep doing that. And there's been, I've noticed that there's teams that are doing that more this season. I've looked at the numbers I mentioned on the show. Teams are doing that more this season than they did last season. Um, Some teams are doing it a lot. The Pelicans and Blazers are doing it a ton. Um, The Blazers, the Blazers very badly. Right. Yeah. Um, But one key in the early season was simply that if you're not like way up, right? If you're just like up, but like a step behind. The, the guards are driving, driving the big back. And the Nuggets weren't able to recover getting around that on the trail to be able to put any pressure on the ball handler, making passes very easy to the roll man um, or allowing them to, to get around to the big and get to the, get to the rim. Dozier in particular is really good about closing space after the screen. His recovery time, even if you make contact on him, yeah, he he rubs off that screen and gets back into position to be able to contest passes, contest shots, allow the big to, to rotate back. Um, if they play soft, if they play drop, then it, he, he can get around and recover. Right. That really helps. Cause he's really long really- and he sneaks and he gets thin around screen. So he can use that length and use that like slenderness yep. to, to, to recover. Yep. Uh, Composo has a 101.7 defensive rating. Um, his is mostly just like he's so slithery that he just gets in between. Like it's hard to screen Composo sometimes. Yeah. Like and now, if you hit him, if if you run it right, you will obliterate him, and you could tell that he gets knocked sometimes. And it's just like ow, yeah. ow. Um, he's not gonna bust through a screen, but that's a foul most times anyway. So, right. but he's just really good at anticipating going over. And then I think when you add Michael Green in all this and you're able to put Green on the, on the best screen threat, I think it helps a lot with Green's ability to contest and recover. His, his mobility, his, there's a little bit of switch that they've run with him. Um, there's a little bit more flexibility. I, I yep. think this team, the, the bench unit, has found itself. I think Monte is getting – Monte, I think, was a little sluggish to start the season, but he's, I think he's picked up his defense as the season has gone on. 
Um, it won't always, again, I'm not expecting them to do this to the elite second units. Like it's going to be tough versus some of the bench unit, great bench units. But if they do that versus teams like, because honestly, like the Knicks were a good second quarter team in part because they play their starters so much. Like it's a Tibbs <laughs> team. They play yeah. starters a ton. And, but if you're able to, it, it, as long as you play defense, if you don't create momentum, because that's another thing that I don't think that I really consider. I brought this down today when I was watching the game that oftentimes when the starters struggle at the end of the first half, it's because the offense for the opponent has gotten rolling versus the versus the bench. And so when the starters come back in, right. they're not rolling because they've been out for however right. long. And then the other team is rolling. And now all of a sudden the Nuggets are trying to basically, the starting unit is trying to catch up. If it's just like, if you just hold serve, the Nuggets will come back in, they'll get their rhythm. And they, and like the last two minutes, they're, they're golden. They yeah. close halves really well. But I think all of this plays into the identity of the bench and, and how they've been playing. So if we go through this list and I just want, you know, to say, are these guys high mistake players or low mistake players? Monte Morris. Low mistake. Extremely low mistake. Compazzo. I think he's low mistake. I mean, he knows what he's doing on the court. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. low mistake. Uh, PJ Dozier. Medium. Medium to low, especially defensively. I think low offensively yeah. high, a little bit higher. And then Jamichael Green. Low. So you have four guys that at least on the defensive end are low mistake. Then you have Hartenstein, who I'd say is, is he's, he's the one variable here. But you have four guys there that are very low mistake players. And I think that are offensively, do they all fit? Still finding that out. Gets better every game, but there's some, you know, some real question marks around that, especially since you're playing three guards, two of whom are up and down shooters. Um, so there are question marks offensively, but to your point, they can be have a defensive identity in large part because you can build a good defense around guys that don't screw up. Even if they're not good defenders, if you have guys that don't screw up, you have a baseline that is good. And these guys all have positives. I mean, P.J. Dozier has positive traits. Uh, Facundo Campazzo, positive traits. Jermichael Green, positive defensive traits. And then Hartenstein's the one guy who he's fouling. I don't know what his per 36 foul rate what is. It was 8.2 per 36 coming into tonight's game. And that's going to skyrocket after getting six fouls in 12 minutes. But, you know, I will say to his defense, he does some really, really positive things when he's on the court. His biggest problem, and at this point, his only problem is that he can't stay on the court. I'm sure he has more problems. We just don't know because we don't actually see him. He is the highest plus minus net rating player on, on the Denver Nuggets roster. It's just that he can't play more than four minutes at a time at the moment. But that because, unit to me, and that's that's because he has the best. The Nuggets have had their best defensive rating when Hartenstein's been on the floor. Now that's uh, like a case of that. That's a case where it doesn't match the eye test, and I'm willing to like. I, that's why I didn't like throw him in there. Is because like it's, I don't watch him and go like oh like Hartenstein does so much for them that they're that's where they're really excelling. You know, it's like in these minutes. Like no, it's not. But. I also think that he's better than how he's played. I think he's nervous. I think that yeah, he's uncertain. Yeah. I think he look, the other thing is like, look, he played, he came up in the rocket system, right? He played Rio Grande Valley and Houston. Fast and like, pace? No, switch. Oh, okay. They, okay. They played all switch because RGV mirrors whatever Houston is running. Or right, 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 right. Yeah. It's like that was the command. Is like whatever you do in RGV, it's the exact same thing you're gonna do with the Rockets and vice versa. Right. So it's all switch playing at the level is something that bigs have to get used to. And I think that's where he winds up making mistakes. Like there are some things that are just like, he's just, he's trying so hard to make a play. And See, to me, difference. that's what it is. Yeah. He's trying so hard. And like, I get it because like, you know, he's, he's on a team with high expectations. He's on a minimum contract. He was the last guy added. Right. Um, and he was out of the league until they called. So like, right. I get it. I get the, I get him trying to be like, you know, doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, the only problem is I feel like the coaches probably say that a lot. Like, Hey, you know, as long as you're like playing hard and trying to do something, that's going to make up. And that's not how it is in the NBA. They'll just tell you that because the alternative is worse. And then they cut you. Right, <laughs> so it's, right, like, right, right. it's like, it's really better if it's just like, no, man, like if, if you like, don't, don't have any sequences that are going to stand out badly on film and then you can keep your spot. 
Yeah. And I don't know with him, it's, it's tough because part of it is he's playing so hard and he, he knows that he needs to go for every rebound and go for every rotation and all this stuff. And sometimes like doing in doing so you're going to pick up fouls. Um, so there's a little bit of that. Like, do you want him to dial it back or do you want him to keep playing at this pace while he slowly learns how to stop fouling, but slowly slowing your foul rate when your foul rate is a foul every minute or every two minutes, you know, that might take a little bit of time, but nonetheless, you know, I do like Hartenstein. I actually think he is a player. He was a plus 15 tonight in those 12 minutes, and he's been that positive. And he had that pass tonight to the corner in transition that yeah. I think was, a, to me, like if Jokic – some of Jokic is the only center in the NBA that pl- throws like A++ passes. That one was like probably an A pass. That was a, that was a, a complicated, on-the-move, you know, good finesse pass. So he has some things about his game that are nice. But those other guys – being low mistake players, being led by Monte Morris and Compazzo. And, and after the game, uh, you know, it was discussed that Monte Morris and Jamichael Green have become something of vocal leaders amongst this team. And that makes sense. Like Monte Morris is naturally that sort of a talkative, you know, um, a guy everybody sort of respects. And Jamichael Green, I think, has just, you know, he's like a no BS guy. So I think it's easy for him to be because he's not saying things that people aren't going to agree with. So to me, that bench unit is starting to look a lot better. But here's a question, and this is a question that's maybe a week off. You know, you will add Michael Porter Jr. here very quickly. That lineup that we just talked about, I think, makes sense as a five-man lineup. Are you concerned at all that this is going to, you know, you have to reconfigure all of your lineups once you add back that major piece? I'm massively concerned. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm intensely concerned. Um, what was his? Pl- I forget. I have to look it up. What was his plus-minus in the game where he scored thirty? I mean, I don't know that off the top of my head. Um, but it did not feel good. I'll say okay. that. Like, it did not It it did not feel like a good 30-point game. Um, it felt, and this is kind of the problem, is like, there, you know, there's talk about, like, whenever there's a scoring draft, it's like, oh, Michael Porter Jr. would really help here. And I'm always like, would he? Like, would, would, he, would he help? Because he was a minus nine versus Sacramento okay. um, when he scored 30. To push back, let me push back real quick on this. Last year, he was the highest plus minus on the team. Yeah. So, like, this isn't a thing that always happens. But you are right that this year it's, it's you know, they got to figure each other out. Yeah, and I just uh... – there's like multiple levels to this. The basketball fit is not apparent. If the basketball fit was apparent and the chemistry issues were there, you could probably work past that. You can at least get it to be manageable. If the chemistry was there, but the basketball was not, that's even easier. You can figure that out. You'll come to some sort of agreement. The problem is I feel like there's a simultaneously issue with both. I feel like, I just feel like there's, and when I'm and look, I'm not in the locker room, so I can't, you know, you can't pick up on that kind of stuff, but there just seems to be so much frustration yeah. with not just him, but that the situation of trying to make it work. Like, I feel like yeah. everyone wants to make it work yeah, and it's difficult and they've figured out a lot of stuff right now. And it's like, yeah, but like he can, I, you know, I got, I got this question. Like, wasn't it easier if he scored 19 points a game? And I'm like, I don't know. Well, like, th- and this is the thing. Denver has that historically great offensive rating right now. Yes. Like there is a, a level of like, could they be better? I guess, maybe. But that's but. not what they need. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. They so, don't need to like they don't need to score 145 for 100 possessions. They it, need it, to get better yeah. on defense. And, and honestly, the other thing is like, um, I mean, Jokic was killing it when he was around. So like this isn't gonna impact him. But I, I do think like if it comes down to like like either Porter, like here's my question is can can everybody that's eating right now eat when Porter gets back? Because I don't well, know. What's weird is that it doesn't like Jamal Murray's not really eating right now. He yeah. he he had that good game and a half or so right when Michael Porter went out, and there was that theory going around of well maybe Murray and Porter just don't mesh. But I think it's more the theory is just that Murray looks tired and he doesn't he's using he's energy exactly when he needs it. Um, Gary Harris only recently started making shots. Will Barton looks like he's at about seventy percent capacity. Paul Millsap, by the way, who we didn't even mention today, but Paul Millsap to me he's on my concerned list. I'm not very concerned. I'm just, he's, I've got my eyeball on him because he really looks like he's drawn so many fouls over the years off of some of his old man game, right? His just like awkward little herky jerk. He had four or five of those tonight where he thought he was getting the call and he didn't get him. And I think part of why he isn't getting him is because he's just a half step slower than he used to be. And a lot of him getting those calls were about him beating guys off that first step. So um, I've got my eyeball on him. But yet the Nuggets as a whole, it's one of those things where all the individual pieces outside of Jokic look like 
yeah, whatever. But collectively, they're awesome. So it's it's a real I, weird. Here's thing. one. Thirty-one minutes played, so it's not a lot. Thirty-one minutes across six games, about five minutes a game. Uh, Jamichael Green, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray together, one fifty-one point six. Offensive rating. Yeah, I hope we see more of that. They're Honestly. scoring. They're scoring one point five. Like wow. to put that. I, I try and take these numbers and put them in perspective. Okay, if you get a, if you get two points for every bucket and you're scoring one point five points for every trip down, right? Like that's a lot, man. That's that's a ton. Um, I I wonder if by the end of the season, I'm not willing to go there yet. But I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Why not? Of, it wouldn't shock me if by the end of the season that Jamichael's starting. Jamichael Green to me brings a lot of what Paul Millsap brings at this stage. Paul Millsap, I think, had more to his game in his prime by yep. by quite a bit. But at this stage, he's a spot up shooter offensively, and then a you know a good role player defensively. And I think Jamichael Green is all of those things with a lot more energy. He's I, just um, a lot younger. I, well, I think that's going to be the interesting question when he comes back because presumably when Porter comes back, they'll want to work him in. So he'll start. He'll start at least on the bench. That's what I think too. I don't know that, but that's what I think. And if he starts on the bench, he's playing with Jamichael. We saw that he and Jamichael started to have like they, those units looked a little better, and like Composo and Jamichael a little bit looked a little bit better. If you put the if you put Joker, Jamichael, Porter, and Composo on the court together, mm. a lot of spacing, that lineup, man. That lineup's probably going to bring a lot to the table. I think so. And so, like, I mean, that's a good news. One more like, ball handler, but yeah, you need one more ball handler. Like I, I will say like th- that's the big thing with this team and how it started. And I've said this on some radio spots around the country actually as well, that like, you know, look, do you, do you want to be playing your best basketball the first 10 games of the season? So true. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the nuggets haven't even scratched the surface and we should talk about this in the final segment. Like the, the questions you have about the good win are very much still there. Like they, this weekend was not, they did not get a good win this weekend. The Knicks win was uh, the Knicks wins a good win to me. It's not a great one, but it's a good one. It's early it's in the fine. season. It's a back to back. It's on the road. There's a lot of things you have to do in the early in the season. It's a good one. I mean, if you want to give it a, I'll give it a B minus win, which they have like th- four D minus wins. So this yeah. is the first. They jumped the well, whole and, and, well, and here's the thing: is like I'll take I will take three B wins versus bad teams yeah. over an A plus went over like an A plus went over a top team and then three D's versus bad teams. Like, again, this is how you, this is how you build your record is wins like this one. So hopefully Denver now will go into Brooklyn where the Kevin Durant has returned. Although we'll find out, you know, who all is going to be available for them in the coming days, but that'll be an even better test. And then there's even bigger tests ahead as Utah. I know they got Utah and a couple other really good teams up uh, coming up. So let's take a break. On the other side, now that we're 10 games into the season, it'll allow us a chance to kind of step back and evaluate this team and where they're at, where the concerns are, where the hope is, and just, uh, you know, at five and five, what, what should we make of it? We'll be right back. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. Man, what a weekend if you're a sports better. What an incredible weekend. Six wildcard games, all the NBA. I was slipping back and forth, sweating multiple bets. The under, oh, it was such a, a crazy, crazy weekend, especially Sunday. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the Jazz under, I found an incredible trend on that, which you can find on Action Network. But if you're looking to get in on NFL, NBA, or college football with the national championship playing on Monday night, you want to go to Bet Online, the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus. You've got Wild Card Weekend wrapping up divisional round next weekend. Lots of great matchups. The Browns are nine and a half point favorites versus the Kansas City Chiefs. No one believes in the Browns. You can get your hard-earned money on them, and I will take it from you when I bet the Chiefs. Uh, Alabama versus Ohio State. Man, Ohio is having itself a January in 2021. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, so uh, back here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast, we want to remind you guys, don't forget to hit that subscribe button if this is your first time uh, checking in on us. We do have podcasts five days a week covering all of the uh, Denver Nuggets news, notes, and obviously breaking down all of their games this week at Brooklyn on Tuesday and then Thursday, Golden State. They, the Nuggets return home for a three-game homestand that begins with the Golden State Warriors on national television. I can't wait for that one. Matt, I got to say, man, I, I missed Steph Curry's Warriors. We have had the KD Warriors. We've had the bad Warriors, but it was fun watching this Warriors team um, do their thing the last couple games. Um, oh, last couple of games? Is, is that what you said? You said the last couple of games? Yes. Um, would that be like tonight when Steph Curry went two of 16 with 14 straight misses? He was the... so exhausted from how many great, great <laughs> games they had. Did they win tonight? They beat the Raptors? Yeah, they beat the Raptors because that's how bad the Raptors are at this point. I feel bad for the Raptors. I root for the like, Raptors. The Raptors are like a, you know, I, I root for all those those uh, those teams. Rap the like the Raptors. They're like Denver. Yeah, hate to see them uh, two and seven. Oh, so, so here's what's funny is I bet against the Raptors today because I knew it was a bad spot for them. Um, I knew that the market was overrating them. I was like, Golden State's better than them. Like they they should. But <sighs> tomorrow the Raptors are four point dogs versus the Portland Trailblazers. And guess who I will be backing tomorrow. You're, you're taking you're taking the Raptors against the Trailblazers. Oh, you hate the Trailblazers, huh? I don't hate the Trailblazers. I'm saying you hate them as in you hate their. You don't think they're good. I don't think they're good. Yeah, I don't think they're good. It's me and KOC on this island of like well, I'm everyone with you, being though. like, I'm with you. I think I've they're done. a top four seed, and we're all like, they can't stop anyone. I've got, I've got a timeshare on the island. I'm not a full time resident, but I do have a timeshare. I, I vacation there. It's a couple times um, a year. I did want to talk about though. We didn't, I didn't podcast on Saturday uh, after the game. I just, I got to get this off my chest. Can I get this off my chest? I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to say yes. The NBA is just, I, I look, when the whole bubble concept was floated, my, everyone kind of had to wrestle with like how they felt about it during the pandemic because we're all doing like calculations on risk probability and what we feel comfortable with. And like, sure. do I feel comfortable doing this or this other thing or that? And, I have been like super conservative. Like I just don't go places. I don't like, I just don't risk mm-hmm. things um, because I believe that if we all do that, then we're going to keep the numbers down. And that's what I want is fewer death and, and less suffering. But when the NBA was going back to the bubble, I basically said like, look, that's not my business. Like that's their business and they get to decide it. I'm not going to tell these guys like, no, you should not do this. It's their livelihood. It's their health and it's their money. And there are supporting industries that wind up being impacted if the NBA completely loses this revenue and lots of people that have office jobs at Pepsi center, sorry, ball arena and other places, (laughs) they wind up suffering for it. And so I was like, that's their decision. And I support the players and the league's decision to do whatever is best, as long as they do it the safest way that they can be. And they pulled it off. And then I thought they would wait till March. You and I had this conversation. I was like, they're not going to do this till March. There's no way they're going to do this till March. It's too dangerous, Mm -hmm. but no, they bowed to, Oh, we got to get it done before the Olympics. People might watch handball instead of the playoffs. Sounds, sounds like you're being very fair to both sides of this argument, Matt. It's just ridiculous. And so oh, I'm, t- I'm saying they, I'm pushing back on this. I understand why they, the NBA did this. This is a business. The NBA, I'm, they, you're, you're, you're undermining the fact that it are actually millions of dollars at stake and a future at stake for the NBA that has skin in the game to get their schedule as close to what it is supposed to be as possible. And yes, it is okay. You can undermine and say, oh, the Olympics, we have to beat it. That's an important thing for a lot of people to try to get in before the Olympics, allow your players to participate, then also give an off season so you can get back on schedule in 2021 22 and hopefully get back i just don't what i don't like matt and why i want to push back on this is i don't like the idea that these are simple decisions that only have one good side to them there are not you can be on one side of this debate or on the other side but i don't think that this was a simple and cut you know a simple thing to go through nor do i think it was a simple thing to say that the nba should have done this you know, the good PR move. And many people will say the right thing to do by saying we won't take the vaccine, even though they very clearly could have had access to it because they didn't want to jump in front of people that have it. But what else do we know about the distribution of this vaccine? That in creating a line, we are actually wasting vaccines and are slowing out the, the rollout. We create a, logi- a logical uh, problem on top of a moral one. So I, I'm not trying to say that there is... that that there is one way or another way you're supposed to feel. There are smart debates on both sides. But what I don't like is the 
idea that this was a simple problem and that the, the situation that they found them in was inevitable or, or you know, uh, the result of like them being greedy or this or that. There were sacrifices on both uh, possibilities that they had. They chose this one and they're having a lot of players drop out. They had a game postponed today and there's real consequences to it. Okay, I'm gonna go again. So my thing is, I, I look, I don't disagree with you. These are complex situations, questions. And I don't disagree that the money involved is significant. My problem is like there, the, the way that it's been described to me is it was a matter of lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money or lots and lots of money. And when you chose to make this decision to get this thing going on a, this fast timeline that clearly the players were like, oh, oh, oh not ready for this that everything it was really rushed in the beginning the schedule is condensed there was a way to do this in which february give it another month and a half for the vaccine to get in distribution and then on top of it like one there's already talk the olympics might be, be postponed that's already a topic of conversation and like i will be surprised if it's not given the certain the, the way that that is organized but two um you can i know how much these 72 games was important for the revenue cutoffs i i I get it. I, I'm not saying the money doesn't matter. I know the money matters objectively. I get it. Again, I understand these things. What's frustrating to me is even if you want to go, if you want to defend all those decisions, fine. But the reason that they split the season schedule in half right, right. was to allow them to have flexibility. And we're seeing basically that they're saying like, no, if you have less than eight or if you have less than seven, you cannot play. If you right. have seven, you have to play. Um, I, I was annoyed. It, I think the, it is eight. I think it is actually eight. I, I was annoyed at the entire situation yesterday. I was annoyed that the league, despite the like n- letting the, the Sixers know basically two hours before the game, like, yeah. no, yeah, you can play. You're going to have to play it. Right. And then at that point, like I was on Twitter basically saying like the Sixers should forfeit this game mm-hmm. because once they sat and beat and Simmons for quote unquote injury, yeah. like at that point, you're openly saying we're not in my big pro. This is the key, Adam. They are sell. They've sold a product of professional competition and the league has structured their season this season and in normal seasons as well, where it does not behoove the organization to pursue that competition. Like it is not in the team's best interest to compete. Right. And on some level that to me is fundamentally broken yeah the, I, as much as i don't disagree with you and i do think that the game probably should have been postponed i mean it was a four, lucky break for the nuggets because that was a game they probably were going to lose and it was a game that they won but i do agree that it was unfair to philadelphia and i think it was unfair even to the nuggets players although the nuggets players post game by the for, it should be mentioned said they didn't care they were happy to play but it, it's nonetheless whether they wanted to play or didn't want to play whatever it did seem like one of those moments where it's like hey we know the incubation period on this thing could be slow maybe you're actually exposing yourself without knowing it and this or that but that being said matt we're dealing with a situation in which there are no good answers and this being a casualty of it is it the worst thing no in my opinion it's no. not but it's not a good you're right that it's not a good thing i just there's no perfect solutions in here and adam silver and the nba uh decision makers are going to have to make some of these knowing that hey probably gonna have some games that are played unfairly that's the nature of it if you want if you want like a a real simple solution on this just make it to where the player has to be cleared 12 hours prior right yeah that could be a good adjustment to this that's a a decent adjustment is like the player has to be cleared 12 hours prior if the player does not clear protocol 12 hours prior then they are not available and that way they were in new york too right like this was supposed to be a home game with rest and it ended up being like a you know them having to travel and not and that's why and that's why they bailed on is they're just like this is a mess we don't want to like when doc rivers is literally like we shouldn't play this game like i i just and here's the thing is, is but also is, as a like, coach he knew they were going to lose i mean let's you know there's something i understand that but i think doc, My, i i do think doc given how long he's played in the league like coaches have a pretty good coaches i think in general tend to protect integrity questions more than others um and so i just feel like on some level you talked about how like well this is unprecedented and like these are tough decisions and some of the, but that's kind of the point Adam is I'm like, if, if we understand that this is a pandemic and everything is messed up and everything is, is, is extremely effed right now, just err on the side and be like, this is what, like, this is why we built it in. 
And I understand their concern. The teams are going to start like gaming it to get rest built in, but that I'm not worried about because I, I think that that is the, the maybe the one level to which players would not and teams would not go to gain extra rest. Right. Like, I think that's the one level yeah. that they would probably not go to is like faking COVID right. Right. to get out of it. I don't think that they would go that far. I think that there's a, a good enough, you know. To, to me, the, the concern about the like fairness to the team in that regard or faking it or not, that's secondary. To me, it's more of, look, the players were at risk. They were around, Denver was around the Dallas Mavericks who have had multiple players now. The Philadelphia Sixers were around. So you bring those two teams together, you were putting both of them at at a known risk. Even if they were testing negative and taking every precaution, there was a chance that somebody on that court in that game was was positive. And there's a chance that those teams might suffer from having to play that game. That's that's where I go with it. You know what's weird? The league has never outlined has never provided an outline from its health experts on what the risk is for playing. Mm. Um, because the CDC guidelines are, th- that's what they're building all this off of. Um, and I want to be very clear that like, I am at once generally supportive of the CDC and hyper skeptical of, Oh, I don't know, certain administrations influence on the CDC <laughs> and all federal agencies. Um, but in general, like if the, the CDC thing is always like, you have to be 15 minutes in close contact. Like if you're right. like up against them and then you leave again and then you're back up, like that's intermittent. Right. And so it's not as much, mm. but we haven't actually seen a like scientific research nor be league mandated or league released official information. Like I would just like to see the league of like release information that says like this, they think that the risk of infection is like 30%. And then like some people on the internet are going to be like, that's 30% too high. You need to shut down the league. Right. Um, right. And some people are going to be like, that's nothing. You're fine. And that's probably not true either. Um, there's all these like parameters around it, but that's the kind of the thing is when we start talking about this stuff, I never know how to feel. Cause I just, I like the assumption is the excretion of sweat is the risk factor that basically hmm. like the breathing is one thing, but the fluids is another that sweat basically your eyeballs. Just, yeah. You're just really worried about sweat flying into your eyes and stuff like that. And I, and I get that, but like, I just do not know the science enough right, right, to right. be able to say what the risk factor is for playing with the Sixers game. I just wind up being like the Nuggets didn't know if they like, I thought the Nuggets might lose that game before they announced Embiid and, and Simmons were out. Right. Because I was like, you don't know if you're playing or not. It's uncertain. Like you're really distracted. That's a weird environment. Half the team is out. And then it's like, those guys are probably going to like the other guys would step up into their place. And they did for that first half. Like the Sixers played right. great in that first half. And then right. they just didn't have the, the guns to hang in. Right. Um, but I just feel like I'm not, I understand that the product is going to be less this season. And that's part of it. That's just how it goes. There's always teams in bad schedule spots in every sport. That's how it goes. Right. But, but I, I look at that product and I'm just like, you sold a product and you're doing it for the money, but the money you're getting for it was for a product that you're openly not providing <laughs> and not working to provide. Yeah. Yeah. Some real, some real issues the NBA is going to have to go through. And we're only 10 games into this, you know, basically well, one seventh through it. And we are seeing, I mean, Jason Tatum out, you know, they're start, so, starting to be some high profile players that are, are taking out, you know, Michael Porter with health and safety protocols. So um, I, I don't thing. know that this is going to slow down. Yeah, I, I will say I do. I think it, and I don't say, I, I don't know, but I think it will. And the reason there's a couple of reasons. One, so the vaccine distribution is entire, like we've talked about is entirely messed up, right? Like they're yeah. dumping vaccines because they don't have, they're going to expire, right. which like, again, who is rolling this out? Just, Oh mm. my God, I'm just going to slam my head into a desk. Um, but beyond that, I do think that uh, here's, what's really weird is like, and this is like anecdotal. Okay. There's a report and we know the numbers of how many doses are not getting to people that need it right. and, and how many doses aren't getting distributed. But on the other hand, like I know teachers that are getting it. Right. The doctors that I know in my life have gotten it. The nurses yeah. in my life have gotten I it. I know a lot of people who have gotten it that are very tangentially related to some of these fields that you would think UPS drivers and yeah. people that yeah. people that are like, Oh, I didn't realize that was part of phase one. A right. now I'm not at all saying like, so we're good. I'm not, I'm simply saying that there will come like we will catch up as time goes on, especially after, Oh, I don't know. Eight days. Things will probably start to get a little bit better. Right. And then at that point after that, um, I do think that the 
fever pitch over who gets it and who doesn't will yeah. die down enough and the yeah. NBA will distribute. Right. Um, I think this is going to be bad for this little stretch. They got to get that. They have to fit. This, what's really weird is it seems like there's like a circle going around between the teams. Mm-hmm. And I don't even necessarily know if it's them playing like the con- The reason that, that Beal had to quarantine was Beal spent 15 minutes talking to Tatum after the game. Cause they, mm, they're right. both St. Louis dudes. Right. It, like they're, they're buds. And so um, same trainer, by the way, uh, Drew right. Handler. so like that's why that whole whole thing happened it wasn't because they played it's because if you have like a private conversation that's bad um and so like these things are complicated but we've saw it like what have we seen like it rolls and then it goes and then it rolls and then it goes and you know dallas is dealing with it now and you know we'll see how this this goes out but you know i mean it's a mess i I will say the last thing i did want to say and i I talked about this a little bit on the post-game show i did solo but I think it's really important that we not treat these things like, like the protocol violations as like punish, like quarantining is not punishment. You're quarantining for your, for this, for your health and the health of other people. Like you're, I agree with this. You could say that they're doing something quote unquote wrong because the league has set up a protocol. Like there are rules for us to be able to keep playing and have a healthy society. And I'm with you on that, but like, it's got to be a pretty blatant violation that you know of. Love it. Like Harden is one where I'm like, you can blast him all you well, want. Well, we've seen like, videos James and pictures Harden. like we know. Yeah, we know that he has broken yeah. protocols or this or that. But yeah, yeah. like, I mean, you could get right. it from a spouse. Like, I'm sorry if you were you going to beat somebody up because they were around their spouse who maybe got it right. from the grocery store or from a friend or, for, you know, whatever. Like it just, I, I, I'm with you. I do think that this is the health and safety protocols are a good thing and shaming people into them turns it into a bad thing in a way that I think is harmful. So, yeah. So um, that's, that's my thing. All right. Well, that's the state of the NBA. We didn't get too much into the state of the nuggets. I guess we'll have to push that back for another show. Maybe tomorrow we'll find out. Um, But uh, the nuggets do have, I think six good quarters in a row now, which is, that sounds like a small, we're looking at the small little silver linings, but heck man, I mean- We can build on this. We can build on this. This is momentum. Six straight, very good quarters, including what I thought was a great wire to wire performance from the nuggets. Starting unit, second unit, all of it, um, lots to be encouraged by. So now next up, Brooklyn Nets, a big, a much bigger test. If they get the win against the Nets, I think that would then become their best win of the year. So we'll find that out. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to check out all of the good work on the Locked On Podcast Network. Football, playoff football. You can check out Locked On Chiefs. I know people listening to this want to check out the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Of course, Let's go. You know, uh, baseball, whatever it is, uh, hockey, whatever it is you got going on, check out all those shows. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.